So today, we have the privilege of a uh, preacher from Korea who happens to have been here for a few years. Uh, he grew up in Korea, <laughs> but uh, he's been preaching on our buses and uh, around other places for quite a few years now. So, James, Pastor James, welcome. I'm an old guy, and I don't always do things young people's way, so bear with me. I um, did not do a PowerPoint today, and so you can look at the flowers or something when you get... All right, um, I do not... I thought, for me, I'm get, I get confused if I'm trying to look there and here and find my clicker and stuff. I would rather just give you the word that's in my heart and um, let it touch you in your heart. I want to pray before I start. Father God, I pray that you will speak into your people today. I speak that you will, we, I pray that you will speak your word of life into your people today. Wherever we have come from, we have come here to be with you today. To receive your word of life. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are here in sight, some of you aren't. I'm still not that used to that part either, so it's okay. I know you guys are here. Um, I wanted to talk today about belonging because often we feel like wherever we are, we feel like as if we just do not quite fit in. So um, someone like me, I was born in Korea. I was a foreigner from the moment of my birth. I was born breathing Korean air and all around me was Korean language, and that was natural to me, but no Korean thought I was a Korean. But I was born there. My dad was born there. My grandfather was born there, but I'm not Korean. I did not fit in. We are alien from the moment of our birth on this world. In some places, we don't fit. So now, even in the States, so how we analyze or how we see ourselves, God help me with my words. I have enough trouble talking normally. Okay. When, how we see ourselves um, is often not how God sees us or how other people see us. So I always feel a little bit out of place wherever I am. I feel a little bit out of place. I might be too short. I might be too tall, seldom, but sometimes. I might be too old. I might be too young. I might be too white. I might be too, um, too loud in some, class. in some places. I can get too loud, believe it or not. I might be too quiet. But there's always something wrong that isn't quite what fits. And wherever we go, it can be a grocery store, it can be a movie theater, it can be a concert, it can be anywhere you go, you, a restaurant, you walk in, and the, one of the first things you kind of check on is, do I fit in here? Do I belong here? Is this my people? Or will I stand out in a bad way or an okay way? And so I wanted to talk to belonging because no matter how we feel about it, if you belong to God, you belong. You belong to God, you belong. And he places us through this life where he wants us, and we belong there. 
So that's what I want to talk about. In Hebrews 11, Abraham um, spoke, Abraham is referred to as um, a stranger in a foreign country. I'm going to read a little bit of it. By Abraham, um, Hebrews 11. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. Our homes are not permanent, right? Who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promises. And so from one man, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars, as the sky, and as countless as the sand on the, on the seashore. And he lists, in Hebrews 11, he lists like hundreds, not hundreds, he lists a whole list of people who, like Abraham, admitted they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. So if you ever feel out of place, if you ever feel like a misfit, if I may say so, welcome to the family. You are in good company. You're, it doesn't mean, oh, everyone fits except me. It's like we're all kind of misfits. So get used to it. That's part of our family calling, part of our family nature, that we don't quite fit in. Is this home or is this home? Someone says, where are you from? And I never know what to say. Simple questions, and I don't know how to answer them. Okay, so we don't know, we don't always feel like we fit, we feel like misfits, but we belong to God. God knit us together in the mother's womb. Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. In other words, we belong to him. He made us. When I make something, if I make a bookshelf, it belongs to me. It's not your bookshelf unless you commissioned me to make it for you. But if I make a bookshelf, it is my bookshelf. If I write a song, it's my song. If I create a person, the person is mine. God made us, and we are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. Um, another place, Psalm 139 says, You, God, created my inmost being. He did not make a mistake when he made this inmost being. I might have messed up some pieces, but he did not do anything wrong when he knit me together in the womb. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, God, are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. He's the designer. He knew it. He planned it. He positioned you. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. So literally, I've been thinking a lot about... Um, about what we inherit and what we pass on, what, what comes into us and what do we pass out. Um, think for a, just a minute about DNA strands. Now, we're, we're talking a lot about altering DNA now and trying to get a genetic fit so that you're not subject to certain diseases and stuff like that. But God can knit you together, literally, your DNA strands. Your mom is different from your dad, but they brought together. Your mom's mom is different from your mom's dad. And so you put this whole multiplication of strands that came into one person. That's you. That's completely unique. My dad was an identical twin. All the same DNA strands went in. But my dad and his identical twin are not the same person, right? They're, they're very similar. They used to pull jokes on people like trading places and stuff. But I could tell the difference. My mom could tell the difference. Their family could tell the difference. They are not the same person. And inwardly, they're even more different. My dad was an adventurer, and my uncle was a contemplative. So very different, because everything is woven together to make one 
unique person. So how, as the one unique person that God has made, how are you going to go to him and say, I think you made a mistake here. I don't fit here. That's not your call. It's his call. He made you for such a time as this. Okay, now, so individually, each person, I, I am so blessed by the complete uniqueness of every human being. There's no one like you anywhere in the world. Even if I had an identical twin, it would not be me in that place anywhere in the world. You are completely unique, made by God for a time and a purpose. Okay, so that's individually, but also collectively, God knits us together. And um, it's sort of a process. We'll talk about that in a second. But God puts us together. And so in the church, they use pictures like the body of Christ and the hand and the feet and the eye and the tongue and the, um, not the tongue, the ear, but anyway. You know, we're all different components, but it's one body under one head, right? So it's, and it talks about the unity of all the different gifts for one unified uh, purpose and one unified function. Similarly, he says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, he talks about being living stones that are, knit, that are built together. So we're, we're not just individuals, but we're living creatures, but we're kind of positioned next to each other. We, we're on some people that have gone ahead of us, and others will build on what we do with our lives. We're living stones built together, and as we're connected, the Holy Spirit indwells his habitation. We become his habitation. Um, I want to read in 1 Corinthians 1 for a second here. Um, and it's not because it's not because we're so we're fixated on our own internal quality, but it's not like God doesn't worry too much about that. He worries on refining us, but he doesn't he takes us where we are and knits us together. Um, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Think a second. <laughs> Not many of you were wise by human standards. You didn't fit in too good. Not many were influential. What baby is influential? Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things that didn't fit. The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are, are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one could boast before him. It's because of him that you are all in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Not go, hey, I'm a good-looking stone up here today. Yeah, that's not the point. We're built together, and he is the quality that we rely on. Ephesians 2, we've been in Ephesians 2 a lot because it speaks of the unity of the body of Christ and talks about God building us together. So I'm going to go here a little longer again. Um, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork. He's the one that formed us, knit us together. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if you feel like you don't fit in his handiwork, you're probably not going to do the works that he's got in mind for you when he created you, a unique person, to do the work that God had in mind for you, but you're out of there. We don't want to do that. Um, and then he talks a lot more about our unity. You are no longer foreigners in the body of Christ. Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household Household, that's like family, right? 
It's like I'm an American citizen. That doesn't mean a whole lot. When I'm home, I'm home. I know who my family is. When I'm even my uncle's family, if I go visit my uncle, I'm kind of home. When I go to visit my brother, I know I'm part of the household. And so God in Ephesians is saying we are members of God's household. We're not just citizens of the kingdom, which is really cool because it's a kingdom that matters and that will last. But we're not just citizens. We are members of his household. He lives in us. He's made us your family. You are mine. We are also kings and priests. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race. Except for me, except for me, I don't fit. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We always feel like we don't fit, but he sees us as belonging. He sees us as my son, my daughter, my family, my people, my kingdom, my royal line in Jesus. Fitting in and being knit together is a process. It's not just one word and done, right? So I'm not a finished story yet. I'm not finished product. I'm still changing. That's a good thing. Because there's lots that needs to go out, just like there's lots that needs to come in. So life is a process through which God is knitting us individually and corporately. God is knitting us together, and it's an ongoing process. So when you go through something, it's forming who you are. If you've been through a car crash, you kind of you think of car crashes differently. If you've lost a baby, you think of babies differently, and you've been through something that makes a permanent part of who you are. It can be good things, too, if you've been to a really good missions trip. It changes you. It changes your perspective. You are a different you because you did this. If you had a really good teacher in school, that person changed you. So God is using the processes and experiences of regular life to form us into his people and change us and shape us into the placement that he wants us to be, into the person that he wants us to be. Um, if we think even bigger for a second, if I could say two words and it would affect, you would know it affects our whole community. I could say George Floyd, I could say COVID. Now, if anyone had said those words like three years ago, we just sort of shrug, what are you talking about? But if you say those now, something rises in you. Oh, is he talking about that again? No, I'm not. But I want to use it as an example that things that happen around us in our community shape us. So I act different on my bus because of what has happened among us. I wear a mask. I have a shield beside me. It's harder to talk to my passengers. And things are different because of what we have been through. God can use the circumstances of our life, good and bad, to shape us more precisely into the people that he wants. So my main point, I've got a bit more to say. I'm not, I'm not winding down yet. But my main point and what I want you to take home is that God makes us, me and you, individually, each and every one of us, into a beautiful instrument in his hands. 
And he has perfectly formed you and me through who he made you and what he's put you through or what you have, he has taken you through so that you can be perfectly positioned. He's made you, he's reformed you, he's positioned you for life for such a time as this. So when we face something, we don't run and hide. Something unknown, we don't say, oh, I'm out of here. God has made you and positioned you for this. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here now for this. So I'm not going to run away. I don't run and hide. And we don't check out early by distraction. Oh, I got to watch another movie. This is too much to think about. Or chemicals. Oh, God, I can't take it anymore. I got to get. Or by suicide. We want to check out because it's too scary for us, but God has made you for a time and place and a position, positioned you for a circumstance that he wants you to be part of, and we do not run and hide. We seek God. We trust God. We know it's not in us. We know it's him in us that makes us overcomers. I have an analogy I'd like to share with you. Um, my, my favorite musician in this house is not myself, believe it or not, um, but... Jeremy Swider is one of my favorite musicians, our violin player on some Sundays. And he's like, he's a pro. He teaches and everything else. And when Jeremy plays his violin, it sings. It just sings. Now, I want to use a picture of Jeremy's violin. It looks pretty nice in its case. You open the case. Wow, it's really nice. You're missing something? If God has put you really nice and you're in the case, that's not what it's for. Jeremy's violin is beautiful, yes, but it's meeting its purpose when he takes it out of the case. He tunes it up and he plays. So it's not just the thing that is made, but where it is positioned and how it is used by the hand of God. So what I want for us to think about is, if, and picture yourself just for a minute as a violin, and God takes you out of the case. Yeah, it's nice in the case. It's cushy, it's comfortable, nothing's going to knock into you. But you're in loving hands. He holds you very well. He has to tune you up a little bit. Have you ever played a violin that's not in tune? You know how you tune a violin? My mom was a viola player. You tighten the strings. Tighten means tension. When you get to the right pitch, the right violinist can stroke a bow across you, and it will sing with beauty. So I want us to be a little more OK, being out of the case, and in the master's hands and taking the tensions of the tuning so that we can sing beautifully where he places us. Got a few more examples in scripture. Just a second. So Jesus, I pray that you would take this word to our spirits and to our hearts, Father God. We don't want to be just a beautiful looking thing that sits in a case all day where it's comfortable. Father, we know that beautiful as it is, because beauty is part of the craftsmanship, and we receive that with great joy.
It's just beautiful. I, I looked at my mom's violin so many times. And it's just beautiful to look at. But when she played it, oh, that's when the life came out. Father God, we want to be people where the life that you bring forth comes out of us. We want to sing with beauty and grace where we are in your hands. Little tangent here. If James played Jeremy's violin, it wouldn't be quite so pretty. It wouldn't be pretty as all, at all. So are you in the master's hands? Will you put yourself in the master's hands? Because he knows how to get the beauty out of you. There's some examples in scripture of people out of place. I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story because you know them. Esther, an orphan, a beauty, positioned by God in a foreign land, taken for somebody's harem. Does that sound like good? Oh my, I'd rather not. I'd rather my daughter was not. But she had a heart for God. She became a king, a queen, sorry. She had a heart for God. And when the time came, she was positioned for such a time as this. She was out of place. She wasn't home. Her family was dead. Her uncle was trying to advise her from a distance. But she had a heart for God, and she was positioned by God for such a time as this. Daniel and his three friends, you know the stories, the, 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 golden, alt, the golden statue and the fiery furnace and the lion's den and all that stuff. They were all kidnapped away. They were taken. They were in exile to a foreign country. So like if you got... Just say, example, America got conquered by China, and we all, the best of us, got taken to China and trained in Chinese courts to become Chinese officials. How's that sound? I'd feel a little bit out of place. But Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we, 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 I don't even remember their Hebrew names, right? Because we're told the foreign names that were put on them. These, these four men had hearts for God and a heart for the homeland, and they honored God in a foreign power. There were all these forces around them, and they were looking for God. They were out of place, but they were looking home. You see that? Out of place, but looking home. They were indoctrinated in all the ways of the pagan government. And when it came time to worship this or not, they said, no, we don't worship that. They did everything they could in harmony, right? The, the kosher food, they didn't say, no, we don't do that. They said, let's try this. And if it works, then let us know. So they had such a wisdom of navigating the foreign land where they were. And they still honored God in it. I want us to be like that. We don't know how Christian or not Christian America is. Um, I don't know how Christian or not Christian Korea is. Wherever your home is, you know, sometimes we think it's more Christian, sometimes we think it's less Christian. But the point is that we honor God and his laws wherever we are. And when it's workable, we work with it. When it's contrary, we contrary. We say, okay, take us to the furnace then. God can save us, but if he doesn't, we're still not bowing to that. Right? So we are positioned by God and we are used by God. Esther was became the savior for her queen, for the, her people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego became advocates for a living God that trumped the idol. Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, the Persian king. But he had, that means you're right in, right, you're in the cabinet room, you're in the, in, the, in the inner circle. And he's offering tea and trumpets. <laughs> he's offering wine to the king. And um, 
that his heart was for home. His, he was a stranger in a foreign land. And so he, when he hears that Israel's still in trouble, he says, man, if you'll let me go, I'd love to go home and rebuild. And the rest of life that Nehemiah faces is a lot harder. He's got adversaries, he's got enemies, he's got people trying to kill him and scare him and the whole trip. But he was positioned as a cupbearer to the king so that he could have a voice to go home and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, if he had just stayed home, none of that would have been happening. He would have just been one of the poor people left in Israel, right? So we can be positioned by God through adversity to be used by God. Jeremiah says, chapter 29, it talks about pray for the peace of the city where you are and go ahead and settle there, buy homes, buy land, buy, raise your kids, give your kids in marriage and stuff. Pray for the peace of the city where you are. It's a pagan city. Why do I pray for the peace of that? God says, pray for the peace of the city where you are. And in its prosperity, you will, be pro you will find your prosperity. So when we can, we work where we are. God has positioned us. So we make the best of it, and we honor God in the midst of it, no matter what. And we pray for the peace of the place where we are. Where you work, I don't know if it's Christian or not. doesn't matter. Are you a Christian? Pray for the peace of the place where you are. Couple more, and then we're going to wind it down. Do you feel out of place? Oh, yeah. You're in good company. David had some men. David was an outlaw king. Um, he got anointed as king, and then he had to run for his life. Is he in the right place? In the wilderness, cave of Abdullam. And it says, first. Samuel 22, all those who are in distress or debt or discontented gathered around him. What a band, man, that, those are going to be my winners. That's my team. I want the distressed. I want the debtors. I want the dis discontented. Oh my, not the team I would choose. Who chose that team? Maybe God, maybe David. But David led them and he became their leader. And if you look two chapters over 1 Samuel 25, Nabal's men, Nabal's the next guy in the story, the, the bad guy. Anyway, Nabal wants to take out David. Or Na I'm sorry. Nabal, Nabal doesn't even want to help David when he asks for a sheep. And Nabal's men go to Nabal and say, these men, David's men, those malcontents, those discontented debtors, Nabal's men say, these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. The whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. I love this because something about King David's leadership took that band of 400 malcontents, debtors, discontents, and made them so they wouldn't, something about his leadership transformed them so they're not even going to steal a stray sheep. Is that cool? I mean, if you're a malcontent and you're a debtor, it's like, oh, a sheep, thank you, Jesus, I'll eat it. Right? But they, wouldn't, they were a wall around. There's something about David's heart and David's leadership that transformed those misfits into the people that could get honor from a pagan sheep herder. I want us to be like that. So Jesus, next, next picture is Jesus, his 12, 12 followers. So he had fishermen and taxmen. How many IRS guys do you know who hang out with fishermen? And a zealot, that's a revolutionary. That would be like Black Panthers or um, 
what were meant some of the other, um, anyway, lots of radicals in our history. Um, so he's got a, a tax man and a revolutionary in the same inner circle. You think someone felt out of place? But like David's men were transformed by David's leadership, those 12 were transformed so that their core identity, zealot or tax man, became transformed into apostle and messenger of the Most High God. And Paul, his whole ministry, he always, why did Paul always get in trouble? Because he wanted to include people that weren't part of the religious core. All the Jewish people, they thought of, of his day, all the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all the high court of the, of the Sanhedrin, they thought, we've got God. We've got him figured out. We've got the word. We've got the temple. We've got the law. We've got the tradition. We've got the prophets. We got it all, man. And if you want to come in, you got to do it our way. And that means a few other rules like circumcision and stuff like that. And Paul always got in trouble because he was saying, no, you don't have to do it their way. You can belong to God without going through the religious hoops. Misfits are included in the kingdom of heaven. That is core gospel. You don't have to be part of the religious. Now, we do believe. We're kind of like the Pharisees. We believe we've got the truth because he gave us the truth. We're not putting that down at all. We're saying, yes, God has a way to do things and a way not to do things, and it's in the book. But would, you, would we be the welcome side of the equation rather than the saying, oh, not him, or not if you do that? We need to be on the side of saying, come to Jesus, let him transform you. We don't fix one another. We're all mis misfits. Okay. So misfits, everyone. Anyone who fits in here, you don't have to raise your hand. We misfits, everyone, gather to Jesus as, Jesus, as David's man gathered to David in the wilderness or in palaces. When we belong to Jesus, we follow Jesus wherever he leads us, whether it's in wherever he positions us. We let ourselves be transformed into, from misfits into men and women of honor who would not even steal a sheep in the wilderness. We misfits, every one of us, are people of the kingdom. We are citizens and ambassadors. We are members of God's household. We misfits are the bride of the king. He wants you and me as his bride to have and to hold from this day forward. He wants you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness, health, love, honor, and cherish. Do you want him? I want to do something a little strange here. I know I'm strange enough, but I'm going to go one step farther. I, I would like to say the wedding vows. I, I, James, you can put your own name in. You don't have to if you don't want to. Take you, Jesus, to be my lawful wedded husband. I want to talk us through it and say it if you mean it and don't say it if you don't mean it. Please don't say it if you don't mean it. Okay, and I'm going to change it a little bit at the end because it's not till death do us part. It's death that brings us together. Say it with me if you're willing. I, James... Take you, Jesus, to be my lawful wedded husband. 
to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, honor, and cherish. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And God's promise to you and me, Deuteronomy 7, 6, beloved, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, to belong to him, to be his treasured possession. And Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, he who formed you, Bethel Christian Fellowship. Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Missed it, you belong. He says he's called and you are his. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I, the Lord, am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt and Cush and Seba in your stead, since you, misfit, are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I'll give people in exchange for you, nations for your life. Don't be afraid, I am with you. I say to the north, give them up, and to the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. Where are you in this story? Do you belong? Are you a misfit or both? Are you a prodigal? You took the good stuff from the family and kind of did your own thing with it. I did that for a while. It was kind of fun for a little while. A little, you know. Are you a religious guy, kind of the older brother who says, man, I try so hard. And it's never right. Never quite. And I never quite get it right. He still don't like me. He likes his little, my little brother as much as he likes me. What good is it? Are you one of the religious people who says, I got it and it don't get honored? If you belong to Jesus, I want you to see that we belong together. The prodigal and the old son belong together. The religious and the non-religious belong together in God's family. Let him tune you, Jeremy's violin, let him tune you to be in tune with the instrument of his peace. Make room for one another in your heart. I want to ask, because I know not everyone belongs to Jesus, even if you're in his house, that doesn't mean you belong to him yet. I want to give opportunity 
if you do not yet belong, if you're a beautiful violin, but you're in the case and you don't belong to the master who can play you the best, then I'd like to invite you to come to Jesus. He's the master. He, he's the one who built you and knows the song that's in your spirit, and he can bring it out of you like no one else can. And we would love to help make that introduction if you haven't yet. So if you'd like prayer on any of these things, I'm going to have the worship team come on up, and they're going to play quiet a minute. But I would like to just welcome you, misfits, into Father's family. And if you would like prayer to get tuned a little better or to be taken out of the case or to be remade with something inside you that needs to come alive, then please come and pray. We're going to do this quietly for a minute, and then we're going we're gonna to go on with worship after that. I don't know about you, but this was a good word for me. Um, and I think the word about not being afraid is a good word for a lot of us as well. Um, I think we, you know, I get to be up here and worship uh, looking at you and praying for you. And uh, sorry to say this, but you're a bunch of misfits. I look out here and I think it, you're, if you feel like you're a misfit, it might be the one that you're the normal person and you just don't fit with us misfits. I'm not sure. Uh, but no, just the, just the fact that I look at each person, and each person has a unique story, a unique, unique place that God is working. And, and uh, you know, if you're looking around for the other belly button, there just might not be another one around here. But there's probably a church someplace where all the belly buttons ran away to be together. So you could do that. Or you could be right here, where we need you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think a lot of us, Myself, okay, I've been in this church for 40 years, but I went off to Africa for 20 to get really twisted. And uh, I don't know, we, we are unique because God made you that way. And you have a unique gift to us, to this body. Those of you online as well, you have a unique gift to us that we need. And it's probably that you may not feel like you fit in because there aren't a lot of other elbows around. But it's really tough to have a body that doesn't have elbows or even just one elbow. Um, and, you know, I played drums, percussion in the band, and, and uh, there weren't a lot, usually anybody else playing my instrument, and which was kind of lonely if you made a mistake. But... You kind of need all those different instruments, you know? Poor drummer up here is all by himself. Um, nobody else is playing drums with him. So you are misfit on purpose, is what James is trying to tell us. James was misfit purposely in Korea to come back here and and pastor a Chinese mixed sort of church and then be part of our church and be very much part of our all nations family of churches. He is a misfit pastor bus driver so he can evangelize on the streets and pray for everybody who comes on his bus. James is a perfect fit for our congregation, even if he always feels a little misfit. Um, and he's perfect in, in worship and prayer and a lot of other places. And you also have 
a place where you fit perfectly in God's kingdom. And I think, I believe in this church that God has called you here. And we're part of a big church. But we get a message someplace out there that we're all supposed to fit in. You know, it's kind of a, you know how the Greeks always had this ideal body type that they sort of made? They're, they're, they're all supposed to fit that. Instead of that, God made us totally unique. Nobody else looks like you. Purposely. Because he fit you. You're a, his workmanship, his treasure. So James, thank you so much for that. Um, that at least for this misfit it, misfit, it felt like a good word. Let's pray into that, and then I'm going to invite you to the discussion groups and prayer time, too. Lord, we thank you that you shape us, tune us, tension us, fit us, that the things that seem to be twisting us are tuning us to fit exactly where you want Thank you that you've made us part of a family. And usually in families, there isn't more than one of somebody. There's usually only one mother and one youngest daughter and one. And so, Lord, we need each other. Would you help us to hear your word of blessing and welcome and joy in who you have made us. Would you help us as a body to hear your joy in who you have made this family as part of your big extended family, as part of what you're doing throughout this world? God, would you do your work in us, individually and also together in our families, shaping us, tuning us, helping us to tune to one another so that we can be a glorious body, family, symphony for your glory. And Lord, as we go out, would we continue to sing your song and play your tune so that others can hear the echo of a God who loves them just as they are, who made them just for himself. And who wants to play them beautifully for his glory and for the blessing of others. Thank you, Jesus, for who you've made us, who you're making us, how you're using us. And may you make us a blessing, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Go in the love of the Father the power of the Holy Spirit, and the joy of Jesus on your journey this week. Amen.